You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. Kids could be dismissed for a children's church. Parents, if you, if you want them to go, if you want them to stay with you, they can stay in the service too. We're, I'm pulling an audible today, so uh, in light of everything that's happening in our world, um, I'm going to pause from our current sermon series. And, uh, well, I'll explain it. Um, this time the ushers can come forward, take the morning's offering. If you're visiting with us, we, I seriously mean this. Do not feel obligated to give. We, we love the fact that you came to visit Meadowbrook. Uh, if you can let us know how you found out about us, uh, you can do that by taking a card that's in the seat in front of you. Fill it out. Let us know how we could pray for you. And on your way out today at the end of the service, you can drop that off in uh, the wooden box by the door there. All right, so um, we, were, we are in a, currently in a sermon series, Christians Say the Darndest Things. This week I was planning on uh, the next statement, the next thing that I heard, uh, I've heard multiple times actually at funerals, and that is, um, heaven gained another angel today. And so... That's going to be next week. Uh, on Thursday, well, Wednesday and Thursday, we had a strategic planning meeting just to think through, okay, Meadowbrook is growing, our kids' ministry seems like it's exploding in a good way, and uh, what does the next five years look like for Meadowbrook? And then Thursday happened, well, Wednesday into Thursday, and uh, Ukraine was uh, invaded by Russia. And I thought, hmm, that's... Uh, that's significant. I don't know about you, but that kind of bothers me. Does that bother anybody? Uh, it bothers me. And, and I, I, we were talking about, the, about what was happening Thursday morning as a group. There was like half our elder board was there and then all the staff. And uh, I said, you know, when I was a little kid, I was bullied. There were some neighborhood kids that made life miserable for me for about three years. And, um, and you know, when my dad was home, when he was at home, I felt better. And the reason why I felt better is because he was bigger than the bullies. Jesus is bigger than everything that's happening in our world today. And the only way I know how to keep my anxiety where it should be is to focus on the one who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's what I want to do this morning. So here's, here's what I'm thinking. We're going we're gonna to camp in the book of Revelation today. I'm preaching on the entire book, not really. <laughs> I'm actually focusing on the character and splendor of Jesus as he's revealed himself in the book of Revelation. Now I'm going to save time for afterwards, because I get it. Like, I, if you're visiting Meadowbrook, I don't want you to feel like you have to pray. You're probably, some of you might even be trying to figure out who is Jesus to begin with. And, and so at the end of my message, I'm going to save room for prayer, and we're going to, we're going to pray for the Ukraine and everything that's happening um, in our world. And at that point, you can, you can quietly, at the, at the end of the message, if you don't want to pray, you can leave. You can just quietly leave. 
Or you can pray and then leave whenever you're done praying. Does that make sense? So, so some of you might want to pray for like an hour, and that's fine. The, door, the doors will be open. Some of you, as soon as you're done praying, you might want to just leave because you've got other things that are going on in your life. But that's how we'll conclude our time together. Just whenever you're ready to quietly exit the auditorium. So what I did was, <laughs> on a Thursday night into Friday, I just uh, opened my Bible to the book of Revelation, and I got a notepad and just made notes on who Jesus is. Because here, here's what you need to know about Revela the book of Revelation. It's not written, it was not written, it's not given to us so you can know who the Antichrist is or how the world's going to end. That's a footnote in the book of Revelation. Revelation is really about the authority and splendor and majesty of Jesus Christ. And it was written somewhere between 80 and 90 AD. And uh, it was written by a guy who, I mean, the vision that he saw, he recorded in the book of Revelation, and his name is John, and he suffered a lot. And during that time period in which it was written, the world was just as upside down as it is today. And, uh, and John, John had suffered much. In fact, in the Gospels, when Jesus was hanging out with the disciples for a little bit after he had risen from the grave, he said uh, to, uh, to Peter, he said, you know, um, one day they're going to bind you up and they're going to lead you to a place you don't want to go. And he was speaking of Peter's death. That Peter would be drug, drug off and he would be crucified. And as we understand, he was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same manner that his Savior was. But he looked back at John, and he said, well, what about him? And Jesus said, you don't worry about him. If I want him to live a long life, then that's between me and him. You just worry, you just mind what I just said to you. And so that's what happened to John. And, and this uh, church tradition, which was another way of saying, we kind of think it happened, but we don't have definitive proof that it happened, uh, is that, that the Apostle John either had his feet or his legs boiled in oil later in life so that he could no longer walk from town to town, community to community, to shepherd the church. He had to, in the latter years of his life, be carried into town to town, village to village, city to city. And then he was exiled, and while in exile at a very, as an, a very old man, he had experienced the horrible, violent death of just about every single friend he had. And so what John saw was for him, and it was for every other suffering Christian in the world. I could tell you, like I could try to, to tell you, hey, everything's going to be okay. I honestly don't know that. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, neither do you. I know ultimately it will be okay because of what I read in the book of Revelation. And so that's what I want to do today. I, wanna just, I just want us to focus on this Jesus, the, the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus who was revealed to us in Revelation. And I, just, I, want, I want to try to help your heart soar today in a way that's helpful as you, as you wrestle with all the crazy things that are happening. Does that, does that sound okay? And so 
there are a whole lot of things that we learn about Jesus. And the first is that Jesus is Lord over the kings of the earth. He is Lord over the kings of the earth. And you'll see, like, I'll have this up on the screen, so if you're taking notes, you can, you can do that. Or if you want to do the easy thing, just write Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, through Revelation chapter 22. Uh, you can do that. But, and this is the way it begins. It, you know, to him who, in verse, the, the latter part of verse 5, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory, dominion, uh, you know, forever and ever. Amen. That, that this is the one who loves us. Yeah, and this is the one who said he'll never let his, those who belong to him go. That's John chapter 10. I'll, I'll never let them go. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is uh, he has freed us from, the sin, from our sins by his blood, and he has made us a kingdom of priests to his God. That's, whom, that's who we belong to. And regardless of what's happening in our world. And we're told in verse 7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Like when Jesus was being tried by the Sanhedrin, the, the, the high priest asked him, are you, or the chief priest said, are you the Messiah? And uh, Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. He was referring to what Daniel the prophet wrote in Daniel chapter 7, and, and this is, John is going back to that. This is the one. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, those who have inflicted harm on his church, even they will see him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. That's our Jesus. When I read that, what I read is, there is coming a day when Putin and every other world leader, including our president, at the appearing of Jesus Christ, will wail at his appearing. He's big. <laughs> and all the bullies in our world are, the Bible says, are like dust particles on the scale, just there. The nations and all their military might and all the nuclear arsenal that Russia has or America has or, or what North Korea is trying to develop or what Iran is trying to develop is like a drop in the bucket. He is Lord over the kings of the earth. He is, and it continues, he is, uh, according to verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega. When I read that, the first thing that comes to mind is he is the Alpha male. Like, you know, there is no comparison to him. It's really saying he's the beginning. It's ultimately saying he is God in flesh. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, uh, who is and who was and who is to come. I am the Almighty. He is the beginning of all of history because he is the creator. He's the alpha. He is the goal for whom all things were made. He is the omega. He is Lord over the kings of the earth. And that's not it. That's not the only thing, though. He is the victor over the grave. In verses 9 through 20. Like, he didn't stay dead. <laughs> he wasn't nailed to a cross and buried. End of story. On the third day, he conquered the grave. 
He is alive. He is living, brothers and sisters. He, he goes on to say in verse 12, then I turned, John said, I turned to see this voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. He is our high priest. He is the one who advocates for us on our behalf. Like, like I said this, I think it was last week, I said, um, you know, his righteousness is our righteousness. He stands before the Father, and when the Father, God the Father sees us, he sees the perfect righteousness of his Son who stands before him all the time. And Jesus advocates for us. He stands in representation of us. He is the victor over the grave. He, he's our priest. And then it goes on to say in verse 14, the hairs of his head were white like, like white wool. In case you're wondering what white wool looks like he goes even further like snow pure white what does that mean he is infinitely wise he knows what he's doing he cares for his own he knows what's going on in your life and he knows what's going on in our world he is wisdom in infinite measure his hair is white like wool he his eyes are like a flame of fire meaning he sees through the facade He's able to see through the lies of politicians and kings. He knows what their motives are, and he sees the same with you, and he sees the same with me. He's able to see through all that. His eyes are like a flame of fire. His feet are like burnished bronze, meaning he crushes the adversary. There's this uh, Psalm chapter 2. says, speaking of Jesus, long before Jesus was even born, that he will come and he will dash the nations like jars of clay with a rod of iron. And his voice is, is like a, a mighty roaring water. He's the, his voice is the voice of the Almighty. I wrote on, in my side column here in my Bible, uh, absolute power, a, uh, authority to judge the nations, and awesome glory is our Jesus. Like, that's who he is. You know, like, I, as, I, as I read this, I can think to myself, okay, so, so on the way here this morning, I read that uh, Putin even escalated things and said, yeah, we're preparing for uh, anything nuclear right now. Like, we put our nation on alert. Jesus is the victor over the grave. And if you are a Christian, you belong to him. You belong to him. And it says here that he holds the stars. It says, in his right hand, he held seven stars. What is that talking about? He holds the churches in his hand. You, you, you know what that means? It means exactly what he said in John chapter 10. Nobody's taking what belongs to me out from my hand. I, I, love, I love my people. I love my bride. They belong to me. In verse 17 through 18, he says this, Fear not, for I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. That's just the first chapter in Revelation, friends. Revelation was written to encourage a suffering church. Revelation was written for God's people 
who are filled with anxiety over what's happening in our world today. Not just that, you skipped over to chapter 5, and I hope you're tracking with me in your Bible or on your digital device so you can see this, because I'm really not saying anything new here. This is all in Revelation. Jesus is the lion and the lamb in chapter 5. Those of you who know me know that this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I frequently go back to it. Sometimes I close out a service with it. Sometimes I just preach on it. I've preached on it uh, probably half a dozen times. Jesus is the lamb and he is the lion. He is the king. We're told here in, in chapter 5, um, in verse 1, John says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written and on the back sealed with seven seals. Do you know what that scroll is? I believe it's the deed of all creation. Now, there's a lot going on with this scroll in the book of Revelation. We don't have time to go into it at all, really. But it is the deed of all creation. The only one worthy and able to open that scroll is the one who has the authority to open that scroll. And so uh, there's this question that's asked in heaven, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And John says, I began to weep. Well, why did he weep? Because if there's nobody worthy to open the scroll, then it's only weeping and gnashing of teeth and damnation and no hope at all. If there's nobody worthy to open the scroll. And so then the angel says to him, weep no more. Behold, behold the lamb. He's right over there, John. He's standing. He's not curled up in the fetal position, sucking his thumb, defeated. He is standing. You know why he's standing, John? Because he's the lion of Judah. He is the, the, he's in the line of kings. And he conquered the grave, and he defeated death, and he is the ruler over all the kings of earth, whether they acknowledge it or not. And so he sees this lamb standing. And the lamb goes over to the one on the throne and he takes the scroll and he, and he opens it. Why, why, does, why does he take the scroll? Because he has the authority. He is 100% God. Perfect in every way. And 100% human. He was born of a virgin. Lived a life that you and I could never live. Went to a cross for your sins and for my sins. And on the third day rose from the grave. We are his brother and we are his sister. He is a member of the human race now and he is yet fully God. He has the authority to open the deed of all creation and he does. And then as he takes this scroll, we're told um, that when he had taken the scroll in verse 8, the four living creatures you know, and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. By the way, I believe the golden bowls full of incense are the prayers of the saints that God listens to. Like at the end of this message, we're going to pray. We're going to add more to the golden bowl of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. This is so awesome. Like, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and, and, and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. It doesn't matter what dictator or what king 
tries to do to God's people, he is victorious and he's going to see to it that every living soul that needs to hear the gospel and that will respond to the gospel will hear the gospel. And so John says, then I looked. (laughs) If that were not enough, he said, I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, too many to count, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. I mean, this is something that kings postured themselves in such a way, thinking that maybe they could be this, but they are not. There's only one. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Does that get like, does that get your juices going? Like an appropriate response to that is maybe amen or so be it. (laughs) Like this is our Jesus. He is our king. We are citizens, if you're a Christian, we are citizens of the, of, of the kingdom of God first and foremost, and then we are citizens of this country or whatever country your citizenship, citizenship uh, resides in, secondary. Um, we are members of his kingdom. And he continues. <laughs> that's, not, that's not all. Like chapter 7, Jesus is the champion of the martyrs. Now, What's interesting here is um, before you camp in chapter 7, you've got to see chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. It's all about the sovereignty of God. Like, it says, they, the martyred saints, they cried out with a loud voice in, cha- in verse 10 of chapter 6, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? How long? Like you are perfect and you don't need to, we, we know that you don't need to imp- improve upon yourself. You don't need to get better at being good. You're as good as it gets. We understand that. But how long before you, you balance the scales of justice? We know that you're going to rectify what's wrong on, on planet Earth. We know that you will vindicate us at one point in time. But how long do we have to wait, oh God? How long? And in verse 11 it says, Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until, listen to this, until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. You know what that tells me? Now one thing escapes the sovereign will of God. What that tells me is, and what he told these saints, it's maybe not the answer they were hoping for, but he said, there are more who are going to die. There are more who are, going, who are going to die in my name. There are going to be other martyrs that I have determined their number, and when that number is complete, then you just wait, and you'll see. I will balance the scales of justice. I will make what is wrong with this world right. And, and then you go to chapter 7, and so they sing this song. The martyrs, the martyrs are in heaven. They're at this place where if you can picture, if you, if you know what the... Uh, the, the, the um, like Solomon's Temple is. Like, if you have a Bible, a lot of Bibles will have a, a picture of that. Google it. Um, or the tabernacle. But there's this place where they would pour the, the, the blood from the offering or from the sacrifice. They would pour it out. Well, that's where these saints are in God's heavenly sanctuary. And we're told in verse 9 after this, John looked and behold, 
a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, not just Ukraine, not just China, not just North Korea, not just South Korea, in Canada, in America, in Mexico, in every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they were crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Our victory is in Him. Yeah, they may have been able to cut our heads off, or they may have been able to stop our lungs from breathing, but we're alive because He rose from the grave. And our victory rests in His victory. And then we're told, and all the saints were standing all around the throne and were around the elders and the four living creatures, and he fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God. For how long? Forever and ever. Amen. That's just chapter 7. I mean, it continues. In chapter 19, he's the groom of the church. First 10 verses. Yesterday I got to do a wedding. And um, Connor and Christian, uh, they attend the, the first service. Um, both of them have experienced some pretty significant hardship in their, in their lives. Um, Christian, she... Her, her upbringing was just was very hard. And God brought the two of them together. They started coming to Meadowbrook, I think like two years ago, about. And um, God started doing this, this uh, work in their lives. And, and I've seen such tremendous growth, growth in them. And about, I don't know when it was last fall, Connor came up to me and said, hey, uh, Pastor Keith, could you, could you do, I want to marry Christian. Can you do our wedding? And I said, absolutely. And we did premarital counseling together. And, and um, we're standing, so yesterday was the wedding. And it was at Cheyenne Hills at their barn. It was a really nice facility. And, and uh, it was so cute. The, the, uh, we had, you know, as the wedding party started to make their way into the area where the ceremony is taking place, uh, you had the bridesmaid and the groom. They, uh, one of the groomsmen, they came down together. And then you had the maid of honor and the best man. They came down together. And then you had the flower girl and the, and, and the ring boy, uh, ring bearer, and uh, two little kids, like maybe that tall. And the ring boy, a uh, ring bearer was uh, just, yeah, I think he's three years old, maybe two. And as the flower girl was throwing down petals, uh, you know, on, on the, along the aisle there where the bride was going to come next, he was picking them up. <laughs> like, hey, you dropped, you dropped the petal. <laughs> and he's trying to put them back in the basket. It was so cute. But then they finally, they finally made it down the aisle, and, um, and then the doors shut in the back. There was, like, these sliding, like, barn doors. They shut. And then the music changed. And I, I could see, you know, Connor. I told Connor at the beginning... Um, I don't know if it was right before his bride came or, or a little earlier than that, but I told him, I said, breathe. <laughs> Just take a deep breath. And as soon as the doors opened, I, I don't think there was a, a dry eye in, in there. Like Connor just started to cry. And, um, and then you know what happened next? Everybody stood. Like, 
Jesus is the groom of the church. When you go to Revelation chapter 19, and this is next week's sermon. It was supposed to be today's sermon. Next week's sermon, I'm going to talk about this. When you die, if you're a Christian, you don't become an angel. That's setting the bar like way too low. Like we are the bride of Christ. We are, guys, I know this is weird to think about, but, but um, we collectively, men and women and children who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are the bride of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the second member of the Trinity, something that angels can't even wrap their minds around. We're told in First Peter, next week's sermon, that they stand on tiptoe. They marvel at this redemption that we've experienced. Well, in chapter 19, all of heaven is celebrating the marriage of the church and the Lamb, right? And so uh, it starts off with, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute, not sure who she is. Maybe it's America. Maybe it's China. Maybe it's Russia. Who knows? But it's definitely this, this, the, 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 the posturing of the nations, for sure. He's judged them. He judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah. The smoke from that prostitute goes up forever and ever. The scales of justice will be balanced. And then all of heaven will stand up and they will marvel at this wedding that we get to participate in. And if you are not married yet, or if, you, if your dream is to be married, women, your wedding day is coming. If it doesn't happen on this side of eternity, it is coming. And I said to this to all the, the wedding guests and everybody that was there, I said, you know, as important as this day is, as, as amazing as this day is, Ultimately, this day is not about Connor and Christian. This day is just a picture of a greater day that's coming. So this marriage between this man and this woman is, is, is a picture of Christ's relationship to the church. Now, I've made it very clear in our family that, uh, and I hope this is, you know, every, every uh, dad, uh, you know, feels the same way, that... Um, that I, you know, I love my kids, absolutely. But I've, I've had to say on occasion, um, your mom is my wife. That's my bride. I plan on spending the rest of my life with her. You're going to move out one day, right? Like, that's going to happen. If I do my job right if we, as parents, like, eventually you're moving out. You're not hanging out in the basement playing video games when you're 30 years old, like... <laughs> um, and so, so don't mess with my bride I, I, Jesus like, he, he infinitely loves his bride don't mess with his bride he clothed her in white we're told in verse 6 all of heaven sings hallelujah for the Lord our God the almighty reigns let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. And all of heaven stands up to marvel at that, not, uh, not based on, on, on the power and might of the bride, but the, but the ability of the groom to clothe his, his, his wife in white and to redeem her and treasure her in the way that he does. Angels are like, I don't understand that. 
And no other creature on planet Earth will ever experience that except for human beings who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus says of his, said of his bride, nobody's going to take them from me. Nobody will take her from me. In fact, there's this verse. Let's read this together. This is what, by the way, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. Okay, let's read it together. And I tell you, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On what rock? The rock of the, of the truth that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, Lord of lords. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. On that rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell can't even touch her. Can't take her from me. He even said, he said later uh, in, the gospel, in the Gospel of Luke, he said this. Um, I think I have it. Yep. Uh, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, some of you they're going to put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head will perish. Not a hair on your head will perish. Why? Because you belong to me. You're mine. He is the groom of the church, and he is the king of kings and lord of lords, verse 11 through 21. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. His robe is dipped in blood, we're told. He, his, his garments are white. He, he has a crown that, that are many crowns. We're told many diadems, many crowns. It can't be counted. The kings of the earth, one crown. The devil, he has a few. The Antichrist, he has a few. You can count those. But on Jesus, he has a crown, many crowns that cannot be counted. He, on his head, verse 12, are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one else knows but himself. And then he goes on to say, he is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure. I believe that's us, by the way. Um, we're following him on white horses, coming from the clouds. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. Read uh, Psalm chapter 2 one day. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is Jesus. And then finally, or almost finally, chapter 20, he is the prince who brings peace. He's going to bring peace. We're told in chapter 20 that he is going to defang and declaw the devil. And he won't be able to say a thing about it. I'm talking about the devil. Won't be able to say a thing about it. He will be declawed and defanged. He'll be put away in a prison for a period of time, and then he'll be released. And we're told that after he's released, he will be judged. And you know where he'll be judged? In the lake of fire. And we're told how long it will be that he will be, that he will be tormented. And we're told this, that it, for he will be tormented, or the, false, the beast and the false prophet and the devil will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Can I get an amen on that one? Um, there's a judgment coming. Jesus is going to judge the nations. And all the kings of the earth, including the one that, including our government, they all have a shelf life. And they will be accountable to him, and we're told that they will wail when they see him at his appearing. They will mourn. Why will they mourn? Because their power will be stripped from them. It wasn't their power to begin with. It was lent to them. And um, we're told when Jesus brings peace, the wolf will shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat 
there will be peace. There will be peace. And, um, and it will be great. And it will be awesome. In, chapter, in Isaiah chapter 2, uh, can we go back to that verse, Isaiah chapter 2? I don't know where it is. It's somewhere on the slides. It's like chapter 2, I think, verse, yeah, verse 4. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall uh, beat their, what? Their instruments of death into instruments of life, even nuclear bombs and missiles, warheads, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That day is coming. And finally, finally, Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. And he's going to make all things new. There's a judgment coming. All those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus, that judgment will lead to eternal life. And those who have not heard or or not believed in the gospel, that judgment leads to eternal damnation. That's a whole other sermon, but people need to hear the gospel. And then finally, Jesus is making all things new. Look at chapter 21, and then we're going to jump right into prayer if you, if you want to stay and pray. But in chapter 21 of Revelation, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And this is what I love. Verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. No more war. No more bad players on the world scene. Jesus, he's going he's to make all things new. He's going to wipe away every tear that stains our eyes. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. It will be like the Garden of Eden, but better. He's going to resurrect this earth, and the curse of sin will be done away with, and it will be like Eden, but ten trillion times better. We're told that we will see God face to face. He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain anymore. In fact, Isaiah says that when that day comes, sighing and sorrow will flee away at his presence. And then we're told in verse 5, and he who seated on, was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And you know how the book of Revelation ends? Come, Lord Jesus, come. That's my heart's cry. There are bullies in this world. There is a devil in this world. And um, his pawns, people like Putin and other world leaders, they're all on a leash, and the one who holds that leash is God Almighty. And he's going to hold everybody accountable one day. But in the meantime, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, and we need to pray, um, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in, in, in Russia, we need to pray for the church that God will allow, enable the church to stand courageously in the midst of a very dark, dark, dark time in her, in her, in her existence in that part of the world. We need to pray. I mean, literally, I mean, somebody used the description that, that this is a modern-day Goliath versus David 
scenario. And, and um, we should pray that tyrants get what's due to them. And so I'm praying that either God changes the heart of Putin or stops it. And, um, and I, I want us to just pray for the whole scenario, the whole situation. We have a, a family in the, in the church who, who's touched by this. Irina, who, Irina, can you, she's, her, her mom is in, yeah. Where's your mom right now? She's in a shelter. Yep. And, um, and you have friends there. And then you have family. So we need to pray. So let's do that. And then whenever you're done praying, pray as long as you want. Pray out loud. Pray loud if you want to pray loud. Pray quietly if you want to pray quietly. Pray in the quietness of your own heart if you want to do that. Find somebody to pray with if you want to find somebody to pray with or pray by yourself. But pray. And that's how we're going to conclude our time. And when you're done, just quietly walk out of the auditorium and hang out in the cafe area, get more coffee or whatever, talk to your friends. But, but let's do that with the remainder period of time that we have. And you can actually pray beyond 12 o'clock if you want. But if you have little baby ones, you, know, you might want to go grab them and bring them back in here. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.